Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hi, welcome to this Irish Podcast. Now, who have got this podcast? Luca Marchesotti. And you're the uh, CEO and AI, the AI architect and founder of uh, Gemo AI. Yeah, correct. Tell us a bit about your background so you know who you are. Well, um, um, I have a background in computer vision, which is uh, a, the application of uh, artificial intelligence uh, to images and videos. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I have also passed in corporate research. Yeah. I was a senior scientist in uh, Xerox, if you uh, still remember the company that used to make photocopiers. Yeah. Uh, this was like about 15 years ago. Uh, but, you know, I'm known for early uh, work on image recognition. So yeah. the technology that you're using you know, every day in your phone for, um, yeah, inspecting the text uh, in uh, in the images that you're taking or in Google Photos. Yeah. So this is a quick intro about myself. At the moment, I am uh, leading uh, the team of Gemo AI. I uh, am the founder of the company, but I also like a lot, uh, you know, the technical part. So yeah. I have a lot of fun designing and developing machine learning models. And what does Gemo AI do? How did it start? So, well, it started um, actually a long time ago. It started in 2013 when I was in a conference room uh, in Firenze, in Florence, uh, in a conference where, you know, the deep learning revolution started. And at that time, uh, I I saw the potential of this technology. And then uh, I thought to create a company around it, uh, around image recognition. Uh, it was called Beautify. It didn't work, yeah. uh, but then uh, we uh, we founded a new company, and this new company uh, is uh, uh, Gemo AI. Gemo is um, uh, really uh, revolutionizing the the way in which uh, sensor manufacturers are bringing to market uh, um, uh, their products, their hardware products. Yeah. So what we are doing at Gemo is uh, providing a set of uh, AI tools to yeah. make those um, uh, sensors smarter. Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, not sure what we're doing at the moment. We're focusing on um, um, different types of sensors, three types in particular, air sensors, uh, water sensor, and sound and vibration sensors. Yeah. And how do they work? What do they do? Well, the, uh, you know, the, the, the scope of the, the, the objective of a sensor is to capture a signal to, or to capture, uh, to reliably measure a signal. Let's yeah. take, for instance, water. Let's say that you want to uh, measure the amount of pollution in the water. Yeah. Uh, that really boils down in some uh, instances, in some use cases, to count the number of particles of a specific element. For yeah. instance, a diesel. Uh, if you want to, if you have a, a water tank uh, uh, that is also used uh, for containing uh, fuel. Yeah. Okay. So what we do is uh, we create a smart technology or a smart machine learning model that is able with the picture of uh, a um, of a sample of a water sample to count these particles yeah. and tell you whether or not this uh, water sample is polluted yeah because i can imagine the, uh, right now as we're more concerned about uh, about climate change and sustainability that's going to be more and more important absolutely and this is very true not only for water um, but also for air, yeah. okay? And even in air, you know, for air, there is a, a plethora of different applications where AI can really make a difference. 
I can imagine, for example, if, if you're someone that you want to make sure that the, that the air stays, stays below a certain purification, you can use technology to make sure that the air we're breathing in is safe and, and you don't get cities like where you get small, like some part of China or part of uh, Africa or Asia, where suddenly you're in a city and you have to wear masks because you can't breathe. 100%. And, you know, what AI can do for these companies is really to add a layer of intelligence that is able to detect events, yeah. make recommendations, and more importantly, make these uh, sensors more accurate, efficient, and cost-effective. Uh, I guess if you can tell somebody what time of day is the best time of day to, to go out, if, for example, for a walk or something, you tell this is the kind of day. But if you got, like, somebody who, who might be worried about, uh, about pollen and getting hay fever, you can tell them sensors are saying that this time of day you won't be affected too badly. Hundred percent, Ronan. And yeah. uh, you know, the, the you're touching on a very specific uh, challenge uh, of our clients, which is you know how to deliver more granular, more actionable insights. And this is an area where AI can has already done a lot of uh, good things and will do even uh, more interesting. Uh, um, you know, provide more even more interesting benefits to uh, clients and, and practitioners. Another area is in uh, the scope of. Uh, uh, accuracy yeah okay so many of our clients are you know hardware manufacturers so they excel at that yeah and they have uh, been uh, uh, developing uh, uh, hardware solutions maybe for two de decades so their go-to reference uh, way to solve a problem is to develop better hardware yeah but now what we can do with AI is to um, you know fix problems and solve problems with a software AI based solution which means reduce costs, which means um, you know, re increase the possibility to retrofit uh, solutions to uh, old fleets of sensors. Yeah. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of um, interesting uh, value and interesting value propositions around, uh, around AI applied to sensors. I guess because it's cloud-based, everything's put in the cloud. So it means, it's like years ago when you had a computer, you had a dumb terminal. You had a small computer attached to a big terminal and that was it. And all the hard work was done by the big terminal. Now you get the same, same idea that the big terminal is a cloud and you can pull it down to any machine, be it a mobile phone, a tablet or computer, and it can deal with that for you. Exactly. And we are in the middle of it, Ronan. So at the moment, these uh, uh, companies, these sensor manufacturers are transitioning to the cloud yeah. or they have just completed their um, digital transformation project, which means that they have fleets of sensors that are cloud connected. They are already reflowing uh, thousands and thousands of terabytes of data yeah. in the cloud ready to be uh, used, mined and um, uh, exploited from a commercial perspective. Yeah, Nick, I guess also it's important to note that if somebody is, is transforming the company digitally, they spend a lot of money on, 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 on computers and they don't pretend hold oh, for the sensors, it's going to cost you more money again, a lot more money again, where the, if it's cloud-based, that cost is, is going to be a lot less. Yeah, yeah. I think from a business perspective, there is a uh, there is the objective of uh, our clients uh, to transition from a one-off, uh, uh, you know, hardware sale yeah. to a business model that which is SaaS, service-based, recurring, uh, recurring by definition. Yeah. And AI can drive that transition by convincing their clients that there's a lot of value in their data by delivering. Uh, additional features all the time that create value and I have a ton of use cases a ton of examples that I can articulate around this uh, and I guess uh, also I'm thinking of scalability that if certain times of the year they're more busier they can scale up and then they can scale down 
according to the, what I need. Absolutely. I mean, there is a full scalability and the elasticity yeah. of uh, cloud solutions and um, for them, and the AI is part of it, 100% elastic. Yeah, and earlier you mentioned about some examples you're going to give me about products. Yeah, another example is sound, for instance. Yeah. So we have a partner here in Ireland called Sonico Systems. They work with uh, sound and vibrations, and you know they needed to um, um, root cause analysis um, specific uh, um, specific projects. Uh, they work with construction sites. Uh, there is uh, noise regulation, yeah. and they needed to uh, assign. Uh, a specific noise to the person or the entity that was causing that noise. For instance, uh, if a siren passes by a building site, uh, their uh, sensors would would uh, flag a noisy event. Okay, yeah. and uh, this noisy event is actually unrelated to the site uh, that is being monitored. Therefore, with AI, we're able to automatically classify this uh, sample as a siren. Uh, um, event, yeah. uh, which is not to be attributed to uh, the uh, building site. Yeah. Therefore, there is a much more granular, a much more specific understanding of what's going on around uh, that site. You yeah. avoid disputes, you avoid uh, uh, you know, uh, spending time in fo and focusing on the wrong signals. And also, I guess, if there's many sirens going off nearby, you then know there's a problem as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you hear one siren going past, you're going, no, that's somewhere else. But if 10 are going, are, are going off, you then know, hold on, there are 10 sirens, it's either an ambulance or it's a fire engine, there's a problem, the problem in the area or near us, get this, we gotta get this sorted or fixed. Exactly. There are other examples, other examples about air yeah. and air pollution. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, um, at interest at the moment uh, within the context of smart cities yeah. uh, to in correlating events of different kind like for instance uh, uh, you could uh, correlate air quality and um, uh, noise yeah okay and you could say well when I hear specific noises uh, I can see as a, a spike of pollution yeah. so what are what are those uh, uh, machineries or vehicles that cause this spike of pollution? Yeah. So all these uh, interesting examples are there to witness the ability of AI to really help us uh, challenging, you know, in challenging uh, problems with climate change uh, with uh, better, more trusted, more reliable measurements. You know, right, like years ago, if you work in a coal mine, you bought in the canary, and if the canary uh, suddenly was acting strange, you, you then knew there were problems with, with, the air, with, with the air quality. So it's, it's best modern version of that. Exactly. Yeah, you can think about that's a very good analogy, Ron. I yeah. like it. You can think about the AI as a smart canary that you know alerts you when something real and something important needs to grab your attention. Yeah, because I can imagine if you're working in, in a certain factory and you got to make sure that the that the air quality, or if you're working somewhere where there's where the air quality has to be pristine and, and nothing can contaminate it. You able to see? Oh, by the way, you're making microchips. There's contamination in this area. That means mm -hmm. that the chips you're making now aren't going to be of any use. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there is a there is a whole um, set of case studies at, within the area of uh, uh, manufacturing and industry 4.0. As you can imagine, those industries, those factories, are getting smarter because yeah. they want to get more productive. And getting smarter, it also means to monitor every single element uh, of the factory. Air is one of them. Uh, there are companies that are instead focusing on uh, 
um, on uh, personnel and uh, others that are focusing on equipment, on quality control. Yeah. So within this new world where every single um, element is monitored and optimized, AI plays a, a big role. Yeah, and to me, I'm thinking if you're in a factory, you want to have certain rooms that are closed off that can only be that can't be people that often. You're going to make sure those rooms that you know only two staff can go in there, and centers will will detect if there's more than two, three in the room, or will detect who shouldn't be there and let you know. By the way, in this room, there's somebody here who shouldn't be here, or there's more in that's allowable to be in that room. Exactly, and we work with uh, three types of signals all the time, Ronan. One of them is obviously um, sound. The other one is uh, uh, images yeah. and videos. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, there, is, uh, there are numbers, time series. Yeah. So numbers over time. And the beauty of uh, our approach is that we are essentially uh, data agnostic, meaning that uh, in certain applications, uh, video yeah. is very expensive, too expensive. Yeah. Uh, so there are problems that can be solved in a much more uh, frugal, if you want, yeah. uh, um, way. And that's why, for instance, we discovered that sound and vibration is a great signal, very rich, quite inexpensive to move around and uh, uh, yeah, very, 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 or let's say easier to analyze with a machine learning solution. Yeah, to me, it's like a blind person. They can't see, but they use other senses, like you're talking about, to see things. And they can tell by the vibrations was or anything or smell what's happening. And what you're doing is you're more or less saying, you don't need picture to see this. We can detect from other ways of what's going on. Absolutely, the multi-modality uh, in machine learning is a thing, and it has been even become even more relevant now. ChatGPT four is uh, all about multi-modality. Yeah. Uh, you can ingest uh, it can ingest uh, audio, video, numbers, text. Yeah. And so I guess, that's a big thing. And also for me, because it's machine learning, it's always learning. So what I knew yesterday, well, it's like a human. What what I what I know today, I'll know more tomorrow. 100 yeah. percent and uh, you know ai is a data game the more data you pour in and the better the results are in general not always true as we have seen again with ChatGPT 4 i think uh, there are now ChatGPT 4 has uh, at least three order of magnitudes magnitude uh, the amount of parameters that yeah. uh, used to be in ChatGPT 3.5 the performance are better but not so much better so there is an asymptotic uh, uh, let's say, uh, behavior or improvement of performance that needs to be taken into account. But yeah, in general, if you have data, you know, you're going to, if you get more data, AI will get better. Yeah, I can see in 20, 30 years, AI is going gonna, is gonna to be it's so around us so much that we're going to be using it every day and not realize, and just think about it as, oh uh, yeah, that's nothing to worry about. Yeah, does it worry, does it worry me? I don't know. I mean, Technology is, uh, is not bad per se, is the use that you make of it. Yeah. Um, so it's our responsibility to use the technology. In, in well, to a, me, it's like how you use it. I don't see AI suddenly been used to say, oh, well, there's a protest march going on, and AI suddenly been used to, to decide who's there and who's not there. Mm. That, to me, is something that I'm worried about. But I think AI in general, it, it is good, but it's, again, it's, it's how it's used. Yeah, exactly. And And... As we're, we're, we're getting more and more technology coming out that's going to have AI built in, like Apple, but but Siri, you got Bixby on, on Samsung, and you've got Cortana with Microsoft, it's becoming more standard now, and suddenly you won't buy a device without it. It'll be there. Absolutely, and the, 
the adoption, I think what's what's really impressive is you know these new generations. A friend of mine has a three years old kid, yeah. and for them, it is pretty normal to talk to uh, Google um, as I would talk to another person. I yeah. don't have that kind of relationship yet with technology. They are digital native. They are AI native. If this term wor- works, or you know, yeah. if, I don't know if we can say that, but. Uh, yeah, it's remarkable to see how these new generations are using uh, AI. I'm looking at how Alexa has come, come forth over the years. It was so basic and now it's so advanced. And I can see the next version of Alexa is going to be even more advanced. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about voice recognition. I think that uh, we missed that boat in the sense that there was a lot of uh, promises and a lot of expectations about, about uh, voice recognition in uh, mobile phones. Uh, a lot of people were talking about you know, the opportunity of uh, voice recognition to de-brand, so giving the consumers the possibility to just, uh, you know, ask for a product being delivered, whatever that product was, yeah. uh, uh, through voice recognition. Example, uh, Alexa, buy some beer, Yeah. okay? Uh, but it never, really, it never really caught up that kind of fire. I don't think that, you know, actually voice recognition is a technology that, that has a great potential embedded in, you know, um, mobile devices for yeah. consumer, yeah, for in, in that specific context. Uh, but yeah, others are other applications of, cons- of um, uh, voice recognition uh, we can already see being uh, disruptive. Like I don't see you at home, you go at home and you say, Alexa, uh, what's the weather going to be like today or tomorrow? Do we need an umbrella? Or I might say, find my favorite radio station. And, and it knows who, what it is because you've told it before. Mm. That's great, but as you said before, uh, other stuff like buy me a beer, I don't think that's going to work. And same with the smart fridges. I don't, I, I'm not sure how, how, how they're going to, if they're going to be a big thing or not. Yeah, neither do I, yeah. to be honest. And smart washers too. You get like a washing your clothes. I've seen them as well. And I said, well, no. And I said, the most obvious thing with those is they're the places where you're going to be hacked because you generally get these devices and you, you don't change your password. So normally zero, 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 zero is probably the default. Mm. And you don't think about changing that. Next thing you know, you've been hacked. Or oh, because somebody got in via your smart, your smart uh, uh, fridge or your smart cooker or something else or even your smart toaster. That's how they got in. Yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's not helpful, isn't it? No, but I, I think what you're doing is is totally different than that. The technology you're doing is basically more or less for high end consumers, and it's like mainly for for business rather than than someone like me. Yeah, yeah, no, we're B two C. We're not B two C. We're B two B. Yeah. So we work with, uh, you know, with companies, and in that in our business, there's a lot of. Um, so all of use cases organized in these three areas. One of them is smart environment monitoring. The yeah. second one is machinery manufacturing, and then the third one is sustainable food production. So we are we strongly believe that AI has a bright and positive future. We are really fed up with AI used against people, and yeah. that's why we actually founded uh, Gemo AI. Yeah, it's you know it's there to build AI for good. We are not working, for instance, with you know security companies. We're not working with uh, um, um, marketing companies that want to retarget people. Yeah. Uh, we have are very selective uh, with the people we work because we have this manifesto mission that we want to push forward. Because I've seen a few years ago a company I was at, I was at the years ago at a web summit, 
and they would show them their technology, uh, how to send their messages. They would send advertisements, and they would say, "Well, which which uh, which uh, have they have a list of people who who are actually uh, members of who actually have a, have a contract with a certain phone company, and they would then go through the list and think how many of those are actually in the area, and then suddenly you get pinging messages on your phone and adverts, and they're showing me how it works." And what you're doing is you're making sure that can happen, which, which to me is something that I really admire. And also because you, because you're B two B, the consumer will see the use of the AI, mm. but it, they won't see the, it, it will be used in a way that I'll be happy it's been used. Look, I mean, here's the thing, Ronan. The problem of AI is that I mean, the the the, the, the challenge of AI is that it can get to superhuman performance number yeah. one it is fully scalable so it can be used against people very easily and it can be used against people in a very effective way um, and let I mean I'm gonna share obviously this is my perspective and my yeah. uh, my own opinion I speak for myself sample of one but think about TikTok okay yeah. uh, with all the I'm not a fan of TikTok. I'm not afraid of saying that I'm not a fan. But imagine how many billions of hours that uh, app devours on a world, on a daily basis worldwide. Yeah, we're talking about we're we're talking about something that goes beyond entertainment. Because yeah. if you cannot detach yourself from an app like that, if you cannot prevent yourself from using it, it's not entertainment anymore. It's not communication anymore. It's something else that I call addiction. And these kind of addictive behaviors are created 100% by a smart AI algorithm that selects videos for you. To me, it's an electronic drug in that once you've got it and you got to keep watching it and then every time you're, you, you're always shooking or, or like showing your friend, look what I found on TikTok. And I'm thinking, well, TikTok is, it, it, to me, it's, I, I, I just, I, I see why it's there, but I never, I don't get it, the products. Well, yeah, a lot of people. I mean, a, lo a lot of young, younger generation are they, they love it, and you know, I don't deny that it is a catchy, yeah. very entertaining tool. Uh, but uh, it's still a yeah, a, a tool that can be dangerous, I think. And I, I'm not afraid to use that word, dangerous. Yeah. Well. Not only from a data, a mass scale data collection perspective. Let's not forget it is China owned. Yeah. Um, well. Owned by a China-based company, uh, but also, uh, yeah, the amount of uh, mass distraction that these uh, apps are creating is staggering, um, and this is not good. Well, to me, what I find scary is the product is free. So if it's free, basically, uh, they're taking your data. So whenever someone gives you a product, you, uh, gives your product user free, what's the catch? The catch is we want your data and then when everything what you're doing and they can check what you're viewing when you viewed it and at times uh, certain apps on certain mobile devices will be tracking where you were going elsewhere as well fine we're, we've been there with yeah. facebook we've been there with google this uh, attention economy where or surveillance economy where you are the product yeah um has been there for like 15 years people are starting to realize it and they're more reluctant to give away their data Apple is doing, I think, a lot of things to, you know, pivot towards a business model that is focused on uh, consumer privacy. Yeah. I like it. Again, people maybe might react differently from it, but I think, uh, um, yeah, we are on, we're getting back on track. Well, I pay forty euro a year to Facebook, 
if if they would no longer give me no longer attract me and I say look I'll pay forty forty dollars a year hundred percent and and that's people should be thinking if the every user in Facebook did that they still make their money hundred percent yeah I mean I don't know if they would make as much money as they make now but yeah. giving that option to a premiumized chunk of their customer base makes a lot of sense because I remember about six seven years ago I was on a podcast somebody else they were interviewing me about about what's going to happen when when we when we brought in the uh, the GDPR rules, and I, I said what the twenty percent or twenty million a year or four percent of revenue whatever is my guess is going to cost going to be. And he said who can afford that? I said well right now Facebook that's pocket change to them. So they don't care. They've got all this money and they can do that. And suddenly you're realizing that these guys are suddenly got all money and you've no say in, in, in what your data has been used. Look, they are. I mean, the reality is that. I mean, companies like Facebook are fined on a yearly basis, billions of dollars by regulators, yeah. by the EU, and they don't care because, as you were saying, it's pocket money. Yeah. They just prefer to breach the rule and then settle it uh, with, with some, uh, yeah, with some well, change. In to me, it's like Ryanair had the power to put an ad in the paper, and the ad in the paper they put in is not that they know they're going to get fined for it, but they don't care because for that few days, they get publicity. And you're on the radio, someone saying, oh, that Ryanair ad is, is disgraceful. And they don't care because like they won't care because publicity get from that is is worth more. It's going to cost them a, a lot less than it would if they had to put it out. If they had to do something else about it, so it's 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 strange. But I mean, what you guys are doing, you're more or less making sure that AI is is seen as a friend and not an enemy, which is important. Yeah, yeah, and more importantly, that is used responsibly on. Uh, the right use cases. Yeah. For instance, uh, you know, sustainable food production. We live in a world where there's still a lot of people that wake up in the morning and they're hungry. Yeah. All right. And technology is there to help. Uh, think about vertical farming. Yeah. Uh, think about uh, sustainable aquaculture. Uh, you know, in you know, we live by the sea. Yeah. Uh, in this island, not a lot of people. I'm surprised, by the way. Not a lot of people eat fish. Yeah. Okay. Mussels, for instance, is a big, big source of protein. Yeah. We work with a company in uh, Croatia okay, that develops uh, um, technology to grow uh, mussels and, um, um, and uh, yeah, essentially oysters yeah. uh, in a sustainable, more sustainable way. Uh, the problem with sustainability in aquaculture comes from, again, uh, pollution and uh, climate change temperature yeah. is a big factor when you are you're an aqua aquaculture aqua a farmer yeah okay and um, there are issues related to uh, hatching of oysters for instance because yeah. they are deeply affected by climate change and we help them determining what is the best moment for um, kicking off the harvesting or um, immersing the rods that then give up give give this birth to yeah. oysters and mussels. So all these technologies there, and it is uh, up for, for grab. Yeah, because to me, the future of this technology, it's got to be used for common good. And what, you, what you're doing, and giving examples of is, is ways that uh, that AI is here to stay. And the more positive stories we hear about it, you're explaining, you're telling us about, about the more chance we're going to think we're going to have to, we're going to adopt it in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm worried when, when someone says, oh, technology is evil and it's bad. I said, well, it depends the use it. A car can be bad too. Anyone can, can, can get in a car and kill somebody, no problem doing that. But it's, it, 
You, who do you blame? The car or the person? It's the person that's using the, the product. 100%. And as long as, uh, as we make sure that the product is used in the right hands, and as you said, you make sure it's not being used by state agencies or anything else, or marketers, it's used by people who, who care about the environment, who care about how, how we live. That's what we want. I think that there is another angle, Ronan, which is important, so especially with AI. It also, it also depends on how the product is designed. Yeah. Because there are certain products that you cannot use in the way you want. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the case for 99% of the apps that, you, that are in your phone. Yeah. You cannot actually use them the way you want. You have to use them the way they were designed for. Yeah. Uh, which means that there is a responsibility for a designer uh, to you know do their job in a right and respect respectful way. Yeah, and I guess also make sure it can't be modified. Exactly, exactly. It cannot be altered. It cannot be maliciously changed. Yeah. It's like when somebody uh, develops a three D printer, you got to make sure well, that suddenly can't be used to, to uh, make make guns or, or certain other products. You make sure it's only used for common good. Yes, yes, and with AI is very difficult, by the way. Yeah. Very, very difficult to, like, for instance, ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT now, I mean, there are applications that are already being uh, developed on the top of ChatGPT for, um, yeah, for uh, hacking, for, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, malicious activity within, within, yeah, the internet, broadly speaking. And right now, what that technology is, there's something you might see in a movie like it was impossible years ago, technology, but it's now becoming basically real, real life. But you've got to make sure that it's used for common good and, and not been used for nefarious means. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess on that note, I'll say thanks for a great conversation, Luca, and uh, have a great day. Well, thanks uh, for inviting uh, me, Ronan, and uh, yeah, it was very nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.